Amen. Well, today's sermon is on God's glory and giving God glory. And uh, I just want to, even before we get started here this morning, I just want to praise the Lord for who He is and uh, that God is a God of glory. And he is a God that is uh, worthy to be praised. And so what a blessing it is that we've been able to come this morning and enter into the presence of God and to give God uh, praise and glory for who he is. Let's take a minute and just thank God again and ask his blessing upon the sermon. Father God, as we turn our attention now to your word, we pray that you would continue just to pour out your spirit. God, I thank you for the time of worship that we just had. That we, uh, that we were in your presence, that we were able to give you the praise that you deserve. And, uh, and God, now I pray that as we look at your word and as we think about this idea that we are created for your glory, I pray that you would expand our thinking to really understand what that means. That is a huge concept. And God, we are asking now that you would come and be our teacher that you would open up your word to us and that uh, we would just be impressed by the fact that we are created for your glory and that we exist to glorify you. So God, uh, just come and have your way here in our midst right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got an old school map here. Uh, I was looking for a map this week. I couldn't find a map in my house because I wanted to do this little sermon illustration right now and I needed a map. So I took the kids to AAA. They still give out maps at AAA. You know, in the day of, uh, of GPSs on our phone and in our cars, my kids, believe it or not, had never seen a map before. And uh, they were amazed. Look at this map. All these little lines and dots and rivers and everything on this. This is uh, quite the thing. They were, they were pretty taken back by this. This particular map is a map of Yosemite National Park. How many of you have been to Yosemite? A lot of you have been to Yosemite, like over half of you. I've never been to Yosemite. And here I am going to try to tell you about Yosemite National Park. Uh, But this is on my bucket list. This is where I want to go someday. And uh, so uh, on this map, there are all kinds of of little um, points that point out where stuff is at. The map is to tell you where you're going to get to. Now, I went to the back of the map. This is, it tells me some of the things that I should uh, go and see uh, when I go to Yosemite. And so right here is listed Yosemite Falls. And, uh, and, and there's a picture of what, if I go to Yosemite Falls, what that's going to look like. And then next, uh, I see that there is El Capitan. And El Capitan is just, just this massive uh, face. That you, if you've been there, you can probably remember El Capitan. Uh, climbers come from all over the world to climb that mountain. Now below El Capitan, according to my map, is El Capitan Meadows. And a little ways to the south of that is the Bridalvale Falls. And then there is Tunnel Vision, in which you can see all the way through and see all this stuff that you would want to see. And and my understanding is that the peak in the very back is Half Dome, right? And so here is a picture of Half Dome. And that's on the map as well. Now, on the map, it's just marks. The picture helps us to see why 
you'd want to put it on a map, why, why it's pretty impressive. But e- so the map doesn't do the picture justice, but to be honest, the picture wouldn't, uh, doesn't do justice to the real thing. If you were to stand before Half Dome, that's going to be really awesome and spectacular. In fact, if you uh, get a chance and you're in Yosemite and you're standing before Half Dome, it'd be awfully silly to have your nose in the map thinking, wow, what a great map I have. You know, when you stand before Half Dome, it's time to put the map away and enjoy the beauty that is before you. It's quite glorious. And I use that word glorious specifically because uh, you and I are in some ways a map. We are simply here to point people to something more glorious than ourselves. Or rather, I should say, to point some, to someone more glorious than ourselves. You and I, we're just, uh, we, uh, compared to the glory of God, we're like points on a map. Very unspectacular. And, and we have value. It's important. We're pointers. But we exist to point people to God's glory. In fact, uh, our sermon this morning is on the big picture. It is on why we exist, what our ultimate purpose is. And, uh, and what we're going to uh, look at in Isaiah chapter 43 is pretty clear. It says that we exist for God's glory. That's what verse 7 says. Isaiah 43, 7. It's going to state it right out front. You exist for God's glory. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 7 because the verses leading up to our focus verse this morning actually help illuminate it, help bring it to life, help us to understand what it means that you have been created for God's glory. Let's look at this together. Isaiah 43, and uh, we're starting in verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. Do, uh, I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the r- rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you. I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. And here's the key verse, verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, whom I've formed and made... In this sermon series that we're entitling, Find Your Footing, we've been talking about how we are in a very turbulent time over the last few years, starting with the, uh, with the coronavirus and the 
and how that led to a, a global pandemic. Uh, the coronavirus and the, and the pandemic caused us to be isolated at home. We didn't go to work anymore. We didn't, uh, for a season, we didn't gather in, in person in church. P- kids didn't go to school. And it had a huge effect on us. In fact, it, it, uh, it, threw all, it threw almost all of culture in turmoil. We saw the political unrest. We saw what happened within families and among friendships. Uh, we saw all of these things being affected by what was going on, starting with this disease that was spreading through. It affected the economy. It affected relationships. We've been through a lot of ups and downs. And in these verses, through Isaiah the prophet, God uh, begins to address similar fears or feelings that we've been feeling. Look at verse 1. He says, do not fear. He touches on the fears, the anxieties, even the insecurities that that we have been feeling. Verse 2, he reminds them that God is with them. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And then verse 4 is a, is a key verse for our discussion today because it, uh, it reminds us or teaches us some truths that are so uh, important for our relationship with God. It says that you are precious to God as a child of His, especially when you are saved, you are honored in His sight. And then he says that you are loved by God. So to, uh, so. Pointing, uh, looking at their emotions and then pointing them to who they are and their relationship with God, he lands the plane on verse 7 and he says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, whom I've formed and made. Now this specifically is addressed to the people of Israel, right? In verse 1 it says, it, it refers to you, O Jacob, and O Israel. But here's my question that I have for you right now is, Have you been called by God? Have you been created by God? Have you been formed and made by God? Yes, you have. And that means that you are created for God's glory. That's your ultimate purpose. We have lots of uh, little purposes in our lives that we have things that we are pursuing. Like I've, I've been called to be a pastor. You've been called to maybe raise a family or or whatever it is, but ultimately we all have the same great purpose. We have been created for the glory of God. Now talk about, when we talk about finding our footing, this is a a foundational piece that is so valuable because when we understand why we ultimately exist, it leads us to have some security and some stability during turbulent times. In fact, I really hope that as, as we dig around this truth that we're wrestling with this morning, that we, we would feel the weightiness of this. This is important things. In fact, uh, it's, it's really crucial if you are to live the full life that God has you to live, that, you, that we understand what it means that you are created for the glory of God. And you understand what it means, how you're going to actually glorify God in what you do, and what you say, and how you live your life. So this is, this is some great truths, some magnificent truths, some beautiful truths, because we understand that in the glory of God, there, there is implied there's some beauty uh, in, in, in this idea that, of God's glory. 
Okay, so we need to unpack a couple key concepts. First of all, we need to understand what do we mean when we say God's glory? What is God's glory? And then related to that, we need to to define what do we mean when we say that we are to glorify God? Two similar related ideas that are are crucial for our uh, discussion this morning. First of all, what is God's glory? Well, here is the definition of God's glory. God's glory is the sum total of who he is. All of his attributes, all of his character, all of his personality and his nature, all of it added up together, that's God's glory. And so we might start with, with the knowledge that God is love. That's what First John tells us. And then we add to that his mercy, and we add to that his grace. We add to that his, what we talked about last week, his gentleness and justice. And we can't forget his holiness, and we can't forget his patience and his kindness. And uh, we can't forget his sovereignty and his, his omniscience and his power. And the list keeps going on and on and on. We, we surely can't forget, and sometimes we do, his joy. God is the most joyous being in all of, all of the universe. And all of these things add up, and, and that's very substantial, right? That's, that's weighty. That's heavy. In fact, weighty or heavy would be a good word to use here. Because the Hebrew word kavod literally meet, could be translated weighty or heavy. And that's what we talk about when we speak of God's glory, the, the sum total of who he is. Now, in the 70s, they used to say, dude, that's heavy, right? I wasn't alive for most of the 70s, but I've seen TV shows. They say, dude, that's heavy. And what they, mean by, what they meant by that, I think, you can tell me if I'm wrong, is you meant that it was deep. It was substantial. There was something there. And God is heavy in that way. He's deep. He's substantial. He's important. There's a lot to him. All of his attributes, his character, added together, that's his glory. Now, related to that, what does it mean to glorify God? Because when we think of all of God's attributes and his character, I just want to emphasize that nothing's missing. Before I give the glo- uh, my definition for what it means to glorify God, I will just say that it does not mean that we add to God's glory. God is perfect, is perfect in all of his attributes and characteristics. Can't make him any more loving. Can't make him any more patient. He's got, every, he's got it all. In fact, uh, Isaiah himself uh, in chapter 6 uh, describes a vision that he had into the throne room of heaven. And in this vision that we have that Isaiah received, one of the things that was emphasized was God's glory was everywhere. It says that when, uh, when Isaiah got a picture into heaven, it says that God's tra- the train of God's robe filled the temple. The train of a robe represents someone's glory. On her wedding day, the bride has behind her a train. Sometimes it can be like a four-foot train. Sometimes it can be a very long train. The longer the train, what's meant to be communicated is this is a glorious day for a glorious person. Now, if the bride starts walking down the aisle and you have the audacity to come out and step on her robe 
You're going to say, what are you doing? That's so disrespectful. Don't step on the bride's robe on her wedding day. It's because you're stepping on her glory, so to speak. And Isaiah said the whole train of God's robe fills the temple. There's nowhere that you could step that you wouldn't step on his robe. And that's true of us. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God's glory is everywhere in heaven, and then the angels in this vision are flying around, and what do they sing? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. So not, as all, not only is all of heaven full of his glory, all of earth is full of his glory. We cannot add to the glory of God. But here is what uh, it means to glorify God. To glorify God means that we show off who he is. We display it. We make it known. We show off who he is. When God glorifies himself, which is what he's all about, he's showing off who he is. He shows off his love, his grace, his mercy, all of these things. When we glorify God, we show off who God is by the way we live our lives or by the, by the testimony that we give. I've got a daughter who's seven years old, almost eight, birthday later this week. And uh, so Kinsey's at that age where she loves to have fashion shows. She'll put on her favorite earrings and her favorite necklace and her favorite dress, and then she'll come in and she'll pose, twirl, and all of these things. And we clap, oh, you look so beautiful. And what she's doing is she's showing off her favorite stuff. And we, when we show off who God is, we glorify him by letting others know who he is to us. In a sense, we're like a TV screen. You know how a, a, a TV works? Uh, there are electric magnetic waves all around us right now that we can't see. And, uh, and a TV, if you've got a dish on your house, it's picking up that waves. Or if you've got a real old school TV, you've got an antenna on top of the TV, right? And somehow that picks up the waves that are in the air. The glory of God is all around us. Uh, uh, for us to glorify God means that we have our antennas up, that we're looking for God and his greatness, and then we're going to display that in the way we live our lives, like on a TV screen, we're going to display that so others can see it and say, wow, that's who God is? That's awesome. And for example, when you forgive someone and do not take revenge on them when they have done you wrong, you display the mercy of God. And when you give to someone who is in need and uh, you display the generosity of God, or when you uh, stand up for what is right in your community, you display the justice of God. And when you don't react with uh, anger, you uh, display the patience of God. And we can display God in so many ways. And we, as we do, uh, when we say no to temptation, we display the holiness of God. As we do all of these things... We are glorifying God because we're showing off who God is. In verses 2 and 3, God reminds the Israelites that he has shown off his glory to them in the past. When verse 2 mentions that they will pass through the waters, I think the Israelites would have, their minds would have automatically gone back to the fact that they passed through the Red Sea. 
when he passed through the rivers, they would have remembered that they passed uh, through the Jordan River. And then uh, God, through the prophet Isaiah here, mentions Egypt. That was the most uh, significant event in the nation's history, that they were once slaves in Egypt, and God delivered them out of slavery. In fact, if we were to go back and read the story in Exodus of how God delivered them, it states over and over again that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Does anybody remember why? So that he could display his power. God took this evil man's heart, Pharaoh's heart, and he says, I'm not going uh, to let you let my people go on their first request. Why? Because he had something he wanted to show off about himself. And he did that over and over and over and over again for 10 plagues. And then finally Pharaoh says, I've had enough. Get out of here. Uh, I don't want to see you anymore. And uh, the Israelites uh, flee Egypt. And not, while they're not too far out of town, uh, Pharaoh changes his mind. I've lost my slave labor. He gathers the army and says, chase him down. And so here's Israel on the run. The chariot and the horses and the army are behind them, and they bump up against the Red Sea. And what do the people do? They start to cry out and complain, why'd you bring us out here just to die? And, uh, and what does God do? He opens up the Red Sea so that they can be saved and part through it. You see, God showed up to show off his glory because Israel was called to uh, glorify God. Same thing. You've been created of God. And think about how you might, have, you might come here this morning and, uh, and you feel like you're, be you're between an army chasing you down and a great sea in front of you. And you see no way out. You know what? That's a good thing. Because that means that God's going to have to show up to show off who he is. And that's exactly what he wants to do. Because he is passionate for his glory. God wants to show off what he uh, can do in your life. And think about all that he has done already. God has saved you. If you've trusted in him, he's forgiven your sins. He has changed and transformed you. He has answered your prayers, sometimes in miraculous ways, sometimes just giving you peace and strength so that you can get through the hard times. But God shows up all the time if we've got our antennas tuned up to see what he's doing in and around us. God is passionate for his glory. I see this in no better verse than one of the verses that we had in last week's chapter. Isaiah chapter 42. It's one of my favorite verses, actually, and we didn't have time to get to it last week, so I'm referring back to it now. Isaiah 42, 8. And because I love this verse so much, let's, let's do what Darren did at the, at Pastor Darren did at the beginning of the service. Let's read this together. I am the Lord, that is my name, I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. Woo, that's good stuff. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. God is passionate for his glory. He doesn't want any other idols. He doesn't want anything else to come before him and his glory. If you were to stand in heaven and ask God, God, what are you going to do today? He's going to say, glorify myself. What, am I, what are you excited about today, God? 
uh, receiving glory, my glory. What are you planning for tomorrow? More glory. God is passionate for his glory. Now guess what? That's for our good. Because when God glorifies himself in our lives, we get to experience all the wonderful things that we've already named about God. We get to experience his love and his grace his patience and his justice and his holiness and his sovereignty and his omniscience and all of these things, right? And so the fact that we are created for God's glory is something that uh, not only is God excited about, we should be excited about as well. The fact that uh, we are created for God's glory should be the all-consuming passion of our lives, that we exist for the glory of God. Now, I'll admit when we say that God is passionate about his own glory, that can sound kind of prideful, kind of egotistical. He's very focused on himself. Here is the problem with, uh, with that thought that that sounds uh, prideful. Pride is thinking too highly of yourself, thinking that you're more glorious than you are. That's impossible for God. He cannot think of too highly of himself. He is all-glorious. And so when he, is, uh, when he is passionate for his glory, this is for our good. In fact, when God is most glorified in our lives, we are most satisfied in our lives. Because we have been created for his glory. That's our ultimate purpose. And when we can align our lives to, to live for his glory... It will bring a peace and satisfaction to our hearts and to our lives that we might not even be able to really get our minds around right now. It touches our ultimate purpose. So what would it look like for you to be passionate about the glory of God? I'll give us three things. One is that you prioritize God in your life. God gets first place. It goes back to the verse that we looked at in Isaiah 42, 8. He will not yield his glory to another. We do not, let God, we do not yield God's glory to, to anyone else. And we see this happening increasingly in our culture today. I see it because I got young kids. I see it happening all the time when uh, parents let their kids' activities take priority over their relationship with God. Sports or extracurricular activities or academics or whatever it is. We have to prioritize God. I see it when we see people, uh, when we see, when we let people uh, pursue money and career and success over God being priority in their life. And what about entertainment and pleasure and the pursuit of happiness? Does it ever take priority over God in our lives? One way we glorify God is giving him first place. We prioritize God in our lives. Second way is we always ask, how could this honor God? Even in the little things in life. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Eating and drinking, that's like regular stuff. It's like 10 times a day, right? Like, maybe not the eating thing, but the drinking thing. Uh, whatever you do, the little stuff. You're driving, your chores, your work, your family life, or even the way you watch TV, we're always asking God, how can I honor you with this? 
Speaking of eating and drinking, when you sit down to eat a meal, I encourage you to say grace before you eat your meal. Not just because your mama taught you to do it, though if your mama taught you to say grace before you ate your meal, you had a good mama. Uh, but we say grace before our meal because we, we want to recognize that God has provided this food. And then we want to ask God to bless the conversation or bless the thoughts that we have while we eat it. We're always asking, God, how can I honor you with this activity, with this moment? And then the third thing that we could say to, uh, about how we can glorify God is that we can be a mouthpiece. You can be God's mouthpiece. So in other words, you can speak up and proclaim what God has done for you. Now, I can imagine some of you heard uh, number one and said, I can work on that. I can do that. I heard number two. I can do that. But some of you will say, number three, can't do that one. I'm not going to be a mouthpiece. I'll live a quiet, honorable life. I'll say my quiet uh, prayers, uh, but I'm not going to be a, a mouthpiece. Well, I'll just remind us that when Isaiah had his vision in the, into the throne room of heaven, he thought the same thing at first as well. He says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I can't speak for the Lord. And then as he saw God's glory, God touched him and changed him until, the, uh, until by the end of the vision, God says, whom will I send for me? Uh, who will I send? And Isaiah raises his hand and says, here am I, send me. You see, when we spend time in God's presence, we're changed. The more we grow in our relationship with God, he transforms us, he changes us from the inside out so that we can uh, be God's mouthpiece. We can stand and we can proclaim the glory of God in the way we live and what we say and how we act, how we react. And so now I'll just uh, say that all of these things are really applications of prayer. To glorify God in our lives means that we are, we are people of prayer. That we're, we're asking God uh, God, help me to make the right decisions, to put you first, to have you be priority. We're always asking, God, how can I honor you? We're, and we're asking God to give us strength and give us opportunities to be a mouthpiece. I just know that in my own life, if I, as I've tried to, to, the, to uh, align my life, to live for the glory of God, it's not easy, but it, is an act, it, it starts with prayer. And it's a work in progress, but... but uh, I encourage us just to begin to pray that every day. God, help me to live for your glory. Help me to glorify you. As we said at the beginning, you are a map. You are a mouthpiece, always asking, priority-making person for the glory of God. Okay, there's your three points of application. You are a mouthpiece, speaking the glory of God, always asking, God, how can I honor you, priority-making person, putting God in first place for the glory of God. You are uh, created to point people towards God's glory. You know, when I um, uh, opened the service, so I talked about a national park, I went to one other national park uh, this past summer, and uh, this is one I've actually been to. Uh, Chelsea and I and the kids went to Kentucky because Chelsea and I met in Kentucky. We've never taken the kids back there. And so I had sabbatical, a little extra time. We went back and stayed at my old seminary. And we were looking for stuff to do. We found out there was, it was a national park like an hour and a half from where I lived for four years. And I had no idea it was there. It's called Mammoth Caves. 
And the interesting thing about mammoth caves is it's all underground. Uh, it's 400 miles of underground caves that have been carved out over, I don't know how long, a long period of time by an underground river. And you can, uh, and you can get in, you have to, to go deep into the cave, you have to sign up to get a tour guide and to be in a tour group. And so we did that. And, uh, and, we, and we went into a, a particular um, uh, tour in which we would go six miles into a cave. So it was quite the experience. You get back there and it gets really chilly and, there's, and, it's, and, it's, uh, and it's really quiet and it's dark. And the tour guide, partway through the uh, tour, he, pauses, he stops and he gathers the group together and he says, now I'm going to do something special. You're, you've probably never experienced this, but I'm going to turn off my flashlight and there's going to be a complete absence of light because no light can travel this far. We're a few miles from the entrance of the cave. At this point, he says, we're a half mile underneath the ground, and, uh, and it's going to be an absence of light and an absence of sound. And so he turns off the light, and somehow, Chelsea didn't realize it, but she had got this flashlight on her phone stuck on. <laughs> so some knucklehead in the back of the group says, hey, I think he wants you to turn off your light. And, uh, and some knucklehead right before, uh, right in front of her says, Chelsea, turn off your light. She says, I'm trying. And then she finally turns off her light, and there's an audible gasp. <gasps> it, was, it, it, was, it was like it was a peace that just rushed over us in, in, the, in the blackness of this cave and in the complete silence of, uh, of that spot. And I want to just stand before you this morning as a tour guide and encourage you to turn off your light because it's not about you. And the amazing thing is that when we seek, when we seek to stop seeking our own glory and living for ourselves, and we seek to begin to live for God's glory, there is that, that almost that gasp that comes over us because we, we, we experience a, the peace that we did not even know existed up until that point. And others will see something in, in our lives that they'll say, wow, that's, that's an amazing thing. Because remember, just like we're the map, we're pointing uh, others to God. At some point, we want to put away the map and we just want to say, it's all about Jesus. And, uh, and as others look at our lives, when God shines through us, because our own light is no longer shining, it's, it's God's light shining through us, there is a peace not, that can come not only into the lives of others, but in, into our own hearts. You see, we talk about finding our footing in this turbulent world. Here is the way that we, we gain a certain amount of peace and stability. We seek to line our lives up with the glory of God. See, you have been created for God's glory. And when we live for Him in this way, our souls ultimately find 
what they've been longing for. And, they find, and we find rest for our souls. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the truths that we've looked at in your word this morning. And uh, God, these are, are big truths. They're, they're heavy. They're weighty. And, uh, and yet, God, they're life-giving. And I pray for myself, and I pray for each person that is here, and I pray that you would help us to be able to, first of all, repent and say, I'm sorry for living for myself, and then turn around and focus on you. And God, we just pray for your help. We know that this is a work of your Spirit. We can't do this until we get a glimpse of your glory like Isaiah God in Isaiah 6. And so we do pray that you would help us to put our antennas up, that we would be attuned to your glory, and then that we would be able to get a vision for who you are, and that it would change us, that it would transform us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is... Amanda's special day. This is our uh, welcome Sunday, and so again we have a reception afterwards, and uh, so we'll give uh, thank we'll give Amanda a round of applause, and uh, and I encourage you to stay afterwards to say hello, get a piece of cake, uh, introduce yourself, and uh, and so before she leads us and uh, in our closing song today, uh, we wanted to just invite her to give a little bit of her testimony and her journey, because I'm really excited about what God is going to do through her. I'm excited that God has brought her here. We prayed a long time uh, for Amanda, and it's a blessing to have her here, and we'd be blessed just to hear a little bit about what God 